says, get that India, big boy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the post-game show live from Jack's Bar and Grill. My name's John. I'm also known as 4020. Joining us my good mate Craig, also known as 60s. We're from the Cumberland Fro. We're here to break down all the round seven action. The Eels beating the Bulldogs 30 to 4. Now, this is what I really come to the football for. Okay, the foot, the champ, it wasn't really champagne football, but I'm going to take two points against the Bulldogs any time. I'm going to take a 26-point differential in the competition any time. And need I say it, there was a former player running around at dummy half and captain for the Bulldogs, and we got a win over him. So I'm not too disappointed there, and I reckon a lot of you feel the same way too. What, what is the antithesis of a revenge game, 60s? Because what we saw today was probably the textbook definition. Look, I, I think it was one of those games where... There was a lot of internal joy for us with not just beating the Bulldogs, but obviously getting one over Reed Marnie. But also, we had a bit more to cheer for than we have in recent weeks. And let's face it, any win at the moment is going to be a good win. Yeah, first back-to-back -back victory for the Eels in 2023. They've obviously had to fight pretty hard at this point, seven rounds in, but they're starting to get on the right track. It wasn't perfect by any means. But the physicality was vastly improved this week. And that's something we spoke about in our preview this week was how the Eels needed to bounce back from an Easter Monday victory where they got the two points, but physically looked adrift. Yeah, physically we're a lot better tonight. But I think there's some stats there in the, in, by way of completion rates mm -hmm. that aren't pretty. So, John, if you can run through some of the basic stats for us now. So, Parramatta Eels 30 defeat the Canterbury Bulldogs 4. Paul Alamotti, the lone scorer for the Canterbury Bulldogs. Will Penasini getting that first try. Mike Acevo bagging a double. Mitch Moses and big man Reagan Campbell-Gilla getting on the scorer's sheet. Mitch having a good day off the tee. Four try conversions from five attempts. Tacking on a penalty goal in the 74th minute. Looking at those possession splits, 60s. Given the scoreboard, you would have thought that the Eels might have dominated possession, but it was only 53 to 47% in their favour. Time of possession, exactly three minutes in their favour. Uh, completion rates, we sort of set that, I wouldn't say the gold standard, but a high level of rates at 80%. Eels were below that this week, 73%, 34 or 46. Bulldogs 10% down on them at 63. But the Eels had an all-key attacking stats, more runs, more run metres, more post-contact metres, four line breaks to two, 34 tackle breaks to 27. And a, well, average play of the ball speed, that's just about half a second slower than their opponents. What else is new? No, nothing else is new. But look, I think there's probably going to be, if you're the coach, what are you going to be happy with out of that? Like I said, first calling card for me, physicality. Eels aimed up here. They were running hard, hitting hard. Execution was far from flawless. Pass selection questionable at times. But I'm coming into that dressing room shed at full time and saying, you went out there and you played tough. And that's exactly what I wanted to see. So what was the overall possession, uh, completion rate? So Eels at 73% from their 46 attempts. I think we were sitting at something like 71% in the first yeah. half. Mm -hmm. So not too different between the halves. It was probably a little bit frustrating when we're on the attack and we turned over ball that we would have liked to have executed a little bit better on. I thought we were maybe guilty of overplaying our hand just a bit. And obviously we're still clunky in attack. It's not quite there. Uh, I do want to speak 
as well about Brendan Hands playing 80 minutes today. How about that performance from Brendan Hands today? Josh Hodgson gets the flu night before kickoff. Yes, and, uh, yeah. So for anyone that wasn't aware, uh, Josh Hodgson came down with the flu, which is what led to the change there. And Brendan Hands, his effort today, uh, 36 tackles, three missed tackles. One try assist, one line break assist for that Reagan Campbell-Gillard try. That's right. Um, and just uh, comparison there, Reed Marnie was uh, 46 tackles and five misses. So he had a... Three ineffective. And three ineffective. It seemed like there was a lot more from Reed. It was probably... He was really targeted by the Eels. It, we ran a lot of plays there, at him today. There was a game script, and to the point of a Mike Acevo kick return, he would stop for half a second find that white headgear in the defensive line and just rip in. So, yeah, it was pretty obvious the Eels had a target on Reed's, well, not his back, but on his chest. Yeah, uh, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about that a little bit more, and we'll try to be balanced in what we have to say mm -hmm. because Reed gave many years of good service oh, to the Eels, so we it, don't want to rip in. It, it is a celebration of the moment, not a long-term heckle of Reed, who, like you said, was a fantastic servant for the club. And you, you hope he does great things at the Bulldogs, just not when the Parramatta Eels are concerned. Yeah, so let's get into some first-half talking points. Uh, the offload from Maddo to Will Penasini. That was a case of getting the first one wrong, getting the second one right, wasn't it? He tried to force it on halfway a few minutes earlier, but then that right edge was really humming nicely at that point. He finds Will Penasini, who just tramples over Paul Hayes Perham. Yeah, Hayes Perham, I mean, he's, he's probably not their ideal fullback at the moment. Well, he's he, really, he really is a utility player. He, he harkens back to an older era, doesn't he, where you could have a lighter weight fullback playing in that final line of defence. These days, you look at Quinton Gufferson, the absolute professional that he is, he is an absolute battery at the back in terms of defence. And it's because he's, he is built like a back row, 190 centimetres, over 100 kilos. I mean, that is the prototypical NRL fullback these days. Now, with regard to Will, he seemed to be having a field day getting around his opposite. They had a change in the, in the centre, a forced change with injury partway through the first half? Yeah, uh, we saw, an, uh, it was unfortunate, but uh, Kiraz succumbed to a knee injury early in the contest. So uh, did they put Paul Alamotti out to the wing, was it? I'm not... uh, the, I think that's what the case was, because then they had Toppany that... Yeah, the back row of Jackson Toppany coming in. So obviously far from ideal for the Bulldogs, but you know, you, as the Parramatta Reels, as any team, you've got to sort of play to the advantages that are presented to you within a given game script, because that's how it goes. And in this case, the Eels are able to seize on those opportunities down the right edge. Talk to me about Gutho's performance today. Well, I, I said before, but he is just the professional, isn't he? Uh, I mean, how many fullbacks in this competition are going to stare down the barrel of those two monster bombs from uh, Matt Burton and then take them with ease? And then, of course, you have his involvement for that uh, second try mm -hmm. with the uh, pass out to Sivo. Yeah, his ability to run and pass and kick from that fullback position, he's probably one of the better playmaking fullbacks in the competition. And what he lacks in elite closing speed because of those injuries, he's rounded out his game to create this incredibly, you know, you'd see those athletic spider graphs. Guffo is just an eight across the park and everything. Do you think the Bulldogs had any justification in thinking that was a forward pass at all? I would say that's probably a 50-50. You see them cord, you see them uh, not cord. I suppose that the mechanics behind looping it over, you probably lean it towards the touch judges getting a little bit uh, hesitant to let it go. But it was within the margin of error, I think, to be fair to play on. I think they were looking for those passes from then on too because 
We saw uh, Ockenbohr looking to knock down passes from yep. there. Mm -hmm. uh, they were looking for the intercept continually, looking for that the cutout pass all through the game from then on. And I suppose indirectly you could probably put a criticism of the halves there and that there then were opportunities to kick ahead. But at the same time, when you're getting six against because of batted passes, you can't be too upset. And then, of course, we had the third try that was scored. And uh, that, that was a brilliant bit of team play because, first of all, you had the big hit up from Reg off the kickoff. That's underselling it, I think. That was 10-pin bowling right there from the kickoff. Yeah, would you want to stand in front of no. Reg when he's running no, back I'll like just that? Take, take the line break, big man. So we had the big hit up from Reg. That's drawn the defence over towards him. It's followed up by a massive hit up from Sean Lane, but then he gets the pass away. Mm -hmm. And the moment that that pass came, you could see that the Eels had eyes for that shift to the right, and then it was... Got it out to Madison, who released Will Penasini. Correct. Gets it back inside the Mitch Moses. And i, I got to say, I didn't think Mitch had the gunner for the corner. He made it difficult for himself on that goal kick. I thought he could have straightened up there a bit. Yeah, I was a bit surprised as well because, <laughs> as it turned out, he wasn't far off with his kick. No. So he could have done with it being just a little bit closer. Yeah. But he's the goal kicker, so it's his, well, it's his it's, choice it's, about it's how the, close he gets it in. It's the one case where you can't really chastise a try scorer because he's the one kicking the goals. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So... Um, they're really the highlights that we had of the first half. Was there anything else that stood out from you? No, like I said, I just I think the tone they set physically was good. And it was, like I said, that Easter Monday game against the Tigers, you get the two points, but you played too soft. So to come out this game, defend... I mean, statistically, the, the, the numbers say they didn't defend amazing in terms of effective tackle rate. I think they both build, both teams build around 86%. But in terms of what we saw, I think that they were very strong in their first-up collisions on both sides of the ball, those hit-ups, those tackles, and that was what, out of the first half, I really liked. I was probably disappointed in the last five to ten minutes of that first half. I thought we overplayed our hand just a little bit. I think if we had played a bit straighter rather than shifting quite as much, that there were opportunities to be had that we missed out on. I but what I was really pleased with was our defence. Yeah. Because there was a... Just like we had a period of uh, about three or four sets in a row where we were forcing the line dropouts and getting repeat possessions and they were going long with the line dropout before they started to find success with the short one. But there was a sequence that the Dogs had of about five or six sets with the ball. They had some set restarts, they had a penalty or two, and we held them out during that period. It, it maybe wasn't like a full 30 tackles because of where the restarts happened, but it was it was still a sequence. And that was probably the part of the game, I thought, where Reed was really exposed in this game. He got caught at dummy half a yeah. number of times. He wasn't giving them good service out of dummy half when they were on the attack there, and I thought that their attack broke down a little bit because of his involvement. And that, that's a great point you bring up in that both in the microscope of this game and the macroscope of our season so far, our market defence probably hasn't been as clinical as it needed to be in those first six rounds. But today, they came in and they were locked in. And when Reid tried to pick him off, they punished him to the point where he had a couple of mistakes out of dummy half. I think, he, I think from Reid's perspective, he probably overplayed his hand. Without to, a doubt. Without you know, a doubt. Like he, was that, he was so focused on having a big return game here that it was to his detriment because... I guess the Eels players knew him well and they knew what he would try to do in, in having a big game. Yeah, they knew that the niggle was going to come. He had that late shot on Moses on a clearing kick. 
That bought the Eels a penalty. That moved them 40 metres downfield. Got caught out a couple of times defensively for penalties as well. I, I think they, without going over the top, they pressed these buttons correctly. They picked him out in defence. They worked him over. But they never went to the point where the referee could say, OK, well, you're clearly working him in the ruck with a bit of niggle. I'm going to penalise you. They kept it clean and able to punish him legally. Yes, yeah. OK. First half ends... We've got a 16-0 scoreline. What were, what were your thoughts at that stage, mate? I mean, you know I tipped a big win for Parramatta in the preview. I said I'm going to will it into existence. I would argue we probably didn't quite get there this week. 26 points plus is outstanding, but it's not a thrashing. Coming out of oranges, I was hoping that we just get back to business, roll up the sleeves, get for our sets and work ourselves into attacking opportunities. It wasn't the case, though. We came out, looked to be really aggressive and shifting the ball, forcing some passes and enable the Bulldogs to actually strike first in the second stanza. Yeah, it, it, was, it was really one of those halves where I thought at any moment we were ready to push the button to go, but when you're not completing your sets, that's... And to an extent, we almost invited them back into the contest, but Canterbury's own completion rates were quite low as well. Yeah, it, like you said, we gave Canterbury the early opportunities to peg back some of that uh, deficit on the scoreboard. They obviously got that first try via Alamotti, but then it sort of went almost tit for tat with the errors. And the Eels obviously regathered themselves, composed themselves in that last quarter, and were able to put the foot on the throat on the back of some. I wouldn't say it was anything brilliant, but you know, good to see Brendan Hands be able to play at the face on the ruck, get big reg over, and then yeah, just not being clinical, but going on off the job at the end. And just as a, I think it was a measure of maybe as much the Eels' defence as it was the issues that the Bulldogs were having with their own attack, that the Bulldogs' try had to be manufactured via a kick. Now, it was, an ex, it was a well-executed kick. It found Hayes out on the wing. He I mean, just couldn't quite turn around and get back there in, in time. You go back and watch that on replay, and it's very hard to to drag a winger on that because Matt Burton does a tremendous job digging into the line. Yeah. He takes the ball to that left-hand side and gets that left-hand kick, which is the open side down there, or the short side down there, So, but the open side of where the defender's coming. And it's really a play that the, the winger's forced to come up when you kick late like that. So that was just really well done. And we'll be talking about what changes we might expect from the Eels going forward into this week's game. But just talking a little bit more about the second half, I said that we were defensively very strong. You wanted to see that physicality. Mm-hmm. Were you happy with the defensive physicality? We saw it with the carries of the forwards, but were you happy defensively? I, I think the only real gripe I have out of that second half defence was a couple of times the Dogs had success down our right edge, coming back across the run of play with uh, the back row of Preston. Aside from that, though, I'm pretty... I think that was a, a 7 or 8 out of 10 sort of defensive performance for the Blue and Gold. Was that a measure of issues we had in defence or do you give marks to Preston for his performance? Well, he's been a bit of a breakout star for the Bulldogs this year. So he's a high energy, high effort player. And I mean, as Parramatta Eels fans, we love those sort of uh, forwards especially. And they tend to make something happen when they get back in behind the ruck. So probably more a reflection of Preston's ability to just work hard on the ball and create an opportunity there. I think when all said and done, there weren't too many Bulldogs that threatened the Eels today, but Preston's one that caught my eye all through the game. He was just 
He was threatening to break out of tackles. He was threatening to bust the line all day. They've really got a winner with him, for yeah. certain. I mean, they've, uh, like I said, the Eels have done that more than a few times in recent years, finding a diamond in the rough. But uh, just a quarter of the way through the season, they look like they're backing a winner there. A- absolutely, absolutely. Now, during the week on our podcast, I made the bold prediction that we would see Regan Campbell-Gillard having a big return to form this week. I think I'm pretty satisfied with that <laughs> well, call. We already talked about that 10-pin bowling run off the kickoff, but 18 carries for near enough 200 metres. That's incredible efficiency and production. That's the wretch we're so used to. A, a sort of down fortnight for him has uh, been well and truly put behind him. That's the sort of dominant performance you come to expect from one of the game's best big men. And it was really the exclamation point on the game when he got over for that try. Yeah, yeah. that, that was just a really well done, simple but effective move there. Hands plays that sort of overs pass to a, a fading Reg who spins as he gets into contact, forces his way over the line. And yeah, just gets a, a big man try, and you love to see. Gets him off the, uh, well, I'd say get him off the noodle list, but he scored the first try a couple of weeks ago. So Regis are plundering him at the moment. If I'm honest, that's probably the, the sort of football I would have loved to have had from the Eels a bit more yeah. during the second half. Yeah. Really working through the middle there, because I thought, unlike last week, I thought we won the middle this week. And yeah. the issues we had were. Perhaps where we were trying to get a bit too expansive, maybe like the, some of those shifts were coming just a little bit early. You, and okay, you're going to get games where you feel your opportunities are there with a bit of ball movement. But I thought we maybe pulled the trigger one or two tackles early in those sets. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, that's when they do their film review. I suppose uh, Tuesday or thereabouts, they're probably going to look at that and say, "Yeah, we were just too over eager there. Try to jump the gun." Could have just built towards that kick or, like you said, that options around the ruck near the goal line. Now, John, before we go on with a few other takes from this match, I think it's appropriate that we get up another podcaster who has his own unique podcast. It's called the Electric Podcast. He does it with his father. Everyone, could we have a round of applause for Fletch? Young Fletch, he's going to get up and give us his takes. Now, you see, the Eels podcasting family, it's, it's an inclusive family. There's no competition. We're all one big happy family as podcasters. How are you doing, Fletch? Good. Now, Fletch, from that game... Where did you think that the Eels were able to get over the top of the Bulldogs? Probably our forwards. I think Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Polo just smashing Reid Money really helped. So did, I, I'm, I'm getting the impression that as soon as you've zeroed in on Reid, that that gave you a certain amount of enjoyment watching a former Eel getting bashed by his old yeah. teammates. Yeah, I think that, um, that we targeted him a lot because he's small, looks like a hobbit. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think yeah, I think our forwards like Sevo, um, Dunster as well did really well to just isolate him in the um, pack and smash him. Now I hope you weren't you were still kind to him out there. You gave him. Did you give Reed a round of applause when he ran out onto the field? Or no way. <laughs> and, and mate, just uh, 
apart from us getting over the over the top of Reed, who impressed you in the Eels' performance tonight? I think Moses and Gutho had a really another really good performance. Um, Regan Campbell Gillard, I think, is my man of the match. Just he's hard hitting. If Freddie doesn't pick him, it's a disgrace. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's Reed. Yeah, Regan Campbell-Gillard, just his hard hitting, put us over the top of them. So, Reg gets you three points. Who would get you two points? Probably Clint Gutherson again. Just, he's probably one of the bravest fullbacks trying to catch one of Matt Burden's bombs. Can you imagine what it would be like if you're out on the field, you've got a Matt Burton torp the spiralling around in the air, you've got all the big forwards charging at you, would you be taking a catch like Clint Gutherson? Uh, if I wanted to get concussed, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't, but, um, yeah, he's one of the best catches in the game. I think if that was me, I'd be wearing adult diapers out there on the field. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and what about your one point? My one point, probably control the game, basically. Mitchell Moses, he's... Really, really good. If we didn't have him, we would have, we wouldn't have not have won the last two games. So, is it fair to say that you see you saw his performance tonight as more of a general, like being the on-field general rather than doing anything flash? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, him being the general just helps. His try was a really good, just set playoff Parramatta. Really, yeah, really helped him just generally in the team and the Gutho and Dylan Brown just did all the rest. Going forward, Fletch, what are you going to be looking for from the Eels to improve when they take on the Broncos up in Darwin? Probably if we're smashing them in the forwards, stay smashing them in the forwards. Like I think in the second half we weren't really um, sticking to what we were doing well. Like We kept trying to score off every play. So you'd like to see us earn the shifts rather than just passing the ball too soon. Yeah, we've got the good wingers like Sevo and Dunster, but I think we've got more better forwards. Like, we've got Mano, Hopgood, RCG and Junior. I think if we just, just keep charging up the middle, we'd be good. OK, now I've got to ask you, I don't, I don't want to spoil what lies ahead on the Electric podcast this week, but what do you think you're going to be talking about this week? Have you got a talking point already that's going to be the focus of your podcast. How Reed Marnie chose money over success. Oh. <laughs> a zinger there. Mate, I don't think we can top that. Fletch, thank you for joining us, mate. A round of applause for Fletch. You know what, mate? It, there's going to come a point, maybe not to down the track where our little gig here is going to be usurped by young Fletch. Sorry, got the microphone messed up there, but succession planning and action right there for the club. Literally, I mean, we're, we're, we're literally giving a pointer to the future. Out with the old, in with the new. Out with the old, in with the young, even. Yes, okay, sir. Let's get into our three, two, ones. Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to do better than Fletch did because I think... He, I think he's bang on the mark when it comes to the three points. Yeah, I, look, I'm going for... Well, actually, I had a, a toss-up between those first two. 
I agreed about um, Reg, obviously. I, mm-hmm. I thought he was due for a big one. He delivered well and truly. 198 running metres, and that's, that's yet to be updated. It's the ferocity of those 200-odd metres that really stands out, isn't it? It wasn't cheap meterage. He was dominating that big Bulldogs forward pack, which included the return of Tevita Pangai Jr. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, back that up with 22 tackles, and he's done that in, what are we looking at, uh, 53 minutes out on the field. <laughs> that, so that is a very 198 running metres yeah. in 53 minutes. When you're topping the run metres, you're going past the likes of of uh, Gutho. Penasini. And Penasini, you've got to give that a huge thumbs up. What about you, mate? You're staying with that three as well? Oh, that, well I put it to the bank. That's it. Easy. Then I'm going to agree as well with Fletch on the two. Gutho. Real captain's knock. We spoke about his takes of those high Canterbury kicks. We know Canterbury were going to be relying on those torpedo bombs that he puts up. They worked a play so that they could give him the space and the time to get the kicks up, so we couldn't really put that kick pressure on. Had Hayes Perriman halfback at one point to go two passes wide. So, yeah, clearly something they were setting up for, and they're so used to it paying off. Yeah, so he gets, he gets my two. Yourself, you're going to go with him as well? Go with the King for 100% for two points. And outside of that, I'm going to go with... I'm going to steer away from Mitch Moses. I agree with Fletch. Great job as the on-field general. But I'm going to go with Ryan Madison for my one. I thought that he had a couple of key moments in the game, but he was one of those players that brought that physicality. And he had 146 run metres and 29 tackles. I think it's hard to go past him for the one point. We, we speak about it a lot, 60s, but players that are versatile enough to be a dominant factor on an edge but also come into the middle and win that post-contact battle are rare as hen's teeth in the NRL. And you can see why the Eels had such a priority on keeping him away from the Dolphins when it came to re-signing him last year. He's been very good for the Eels since returning for suspension. Worthy the one point. I was actually going to... I was thinking about going Madison. I'm going to throw my one point to a third player, though. So Mitchell Moses worthy, Ryan Madison worthy, but the player that was caught upon the play 80 minutes for the first time in his career after re-signing for the club for two years this week, Brendan Hans, I thought, did an outstanding job and was, uh, I think, uh, a worthy contender for that one point. It's hard to argue with that. Uh, moving forward, we've got the Broncos yeah, this coming in, week. Up in Darwin, it's the Anzac Day clash. Conditions are going to be pretty tough, mate. You know it's going to be damn near 30... 30 degrees with 80% humidity. That's what we've come to expect. Uh, the Broncos were tough in other years when we took them on, and they weren't anywhere near as good as how they're going right now. They're flying high on top of the ladder. Just the one loss they sustained last week against the Canberra Raiders. They're an incredibly well-balanced roster. Dynamic backs, monster forwards. Uh, you've got a young gun and an old head in the halves. They're probably one of the most complete rosters in the competition, and it's taken them years to arrive at this point but they're now standing on the precipice of being legitimate premiership contenders and and potential premiership favourites once again. I asked the question of Fletch about what needs to improve going into next week. What's your takes on that? You're taking on a team like the Broncos. You've just got to play great footy in all phases. I think the good news for the Eels is as much as they're guilty of playing down to teams that are below their talent level, they also aim up against the competition's best. 
We saw it a couple of weeks ago on that absolute barn burner they played against the Penrith Panthers, winning in Golden Point. I think they're going to come into this game and they're going to be prepared. I suppose the wild card will be which team can hold on better in those torrid Darwinian uh, conditions. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to come back to the Broncos game in just a minute. But just before we wrap up and talk about what's happening here next week with the Broncos game, because we do need to talk about that, uh, just very quickly, over the weekend, we had Parramatta's junior rep teams in action in their finals. And we had success for both the Harold Matthews and the SG Ball teams. They won their finals match. They are through to the grand final qualifiers or semi-finals as they like to call them. So how about a round of applause for our junior rep teams? The Tasha Gale girls came up against a very strong opponent in the Illawarra Steelers. Uh, very, very, very skillful halfback for the Steelers. Zaya's little sister, actually. Younger, younger sis, uh, young sister of of Isaiah Yo, mm -hmm. who were just dominated at halfback for the Steelers. She will be an NRLW player of the future mm -hmm. of that, we're certain. But, uh, you know, the girls did really well in what has been a bit of a rebuilding year for the Tasha Gale team. And they've just got, just was one game short of what they achieved in last year. Back-to-back -back trips to the postseason or the finals. You can't be unhappy with that as the program continues to grow and take steps to be stronger and stronger. Really looking forward to what they can do in the years to come. And uh, just got to celebrate the fact that it's the first time all three junior representative grades made the finals in the same season. So, ball. Well, first time with the Tasha Gale being a full. Yeah, sorry, with the, the, full, the three pathways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, just one other thing was the uh, lower grades. Four point loss in the Jersey flag. That, that bites a little bit. People who are here earlier tonight saw not the greatest performance from our New South Wales Cup team. We're going to look for better from them next week. Uh, but apart from that, let's talk about next week here. Yes, Ladies sir. and gentlemen, if you, are, if you are interested in being here next Friday night, there's going to be selected interstate matches where we're going to make Parramatta Leagues Club an event centre for Eels fans to come and watch the game. We're going to be here from about... The game kicks off at 8 o'clock against the Broncos on Friday night. It's a quick turnaround. We'll be on from 7.30 with a bit of a preview. And this is... We're mirroring what happened in the Cowboys uh, grand final qualifier last year. We're going to do a preview show. We'll then cut to the big screen for the match. And then we'll do our instant take straight after it. <laughs> so if you want to get here... Enjoy the matches with us. Enjoy watching the game with fellow Eels fans rather than just sitting at home and yelling at the TV or cheering along with the TV, whatever the case may be. Um, instead of upsetting your neighbours with some of your expletives, you can come and upset us with some of your expletives. And uh, hopefully there's more of a post-game show than last time because <laughs> it was wild scenes here at the Leagues Club after that victory against the Cowboys. Absolutely, absolutely. So for now, we thank you for coming along tonight. Go the Eels, and we'll see you next Friday night.